Hello, you're listening to a spoiler-filled film conversation. Hooray! The Last Dragon. We can pair it with the last unicorn if we ever need to. Oh, we're running out of all kinds of mythical beasts, aren't we? Especially last ones. Mm. I feel like The Last Dragon is something that is a common trope of all dragon movies. It's always the last bloody one. Like, there's literally <laughs> Rhea and the Last Dragon. And she's not technically the last one. I mean, she's, I mean there's no dragons. Then there's one, then there's, they're back again. But I feel like there's, we're always about to run out of dragons. Game of Thrones is the same. Although we get three, so... Dragon. But I, it's always like, we've either killed them, or they're too magical... Uh, what's with mis- it's, it's just humans. We must hunt all mythical beasts to oh, the yeah, extinction. Definitely. But I mean, this doesn't even really have a dragon in. So anyway, this is not me introducing it, is it? <laughs> One might say it's dragon on. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> that's that's the most a good pun. Joke you made. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, The Last Dragon! It's time to do another podcast, and this week, Anthony has selected The Last Dragon. I am Richard, hello. With me to chat about The Last Dragon is Abby. Hello! And the man himself, Anthony. You alright? Alright, alright, geese. You alright? Yeah. Um, Don't know why I opted for that greeting this time, but there it is. He's <laughs> done now. Yeah, Jamie, Jamie, Jamie's not with us this time. Some bully came and dumped him in a bin. <laughs> so <laughs> we couldn't do the podcast with him because he's all covered in spaghetti sauce or something. So at the start of the podcast, it's time to give details, and I will gladly designate your ass <laughs> to mm. do it, Anthony. Please. Thank you. Okay. So, the the last dragon... Uh, it was released in 1985. It's a martial arts comedy film um, about a young black martial artist from Harlem who is tasked with the mission of finding a reclusive martial arts master in order to attain the final level of martial arts mastery known as the glow. Is it? Is it? Uh, <laughs> I... I had a hard time writing this because, honestly, I don't know what was going on most of the time. But anyway. Uh, no, there's on, nothing on... wrong with what he just said. <laughs> I just don't remember it being called. I mean, it's obviously, he does glow, but I didn't remember it being called the glow. Uh, I'm just saying, I don't, I'm don't. not calling you out and saying you're wrong, but I just... That's fine. I'm sure it was already mentioned in passing at one point because... It's quite vague, isn't it? Yeah. Sorry, go on. Anyway. Yes, but uh, but uh, on the way to that, uh, he becomes embroiled in a plot by a, by a villainous video, video arcade mogul to coerce a beautiful TV hostess into playing his trashy music videos on a hip TV music show. Uh, and he must also contend with a rival martial artist who wants to take him down at all costs. <laughs> what are you talking about? I mean, that is exactly right, but... Well, it is a, it is a absurdly baffling plotline. <laughs> they don't even intersect these concepts of a martial struggle, like a a martial artist's quest to become the master, and then a fucking music video mogul. 
trying to get his girlfriend a gig, but also a, a dickhead fighting people for no reason. It's they don't even intersect, and yet that is right. Sorry, but who's in it anyway? Uh, it was directed by Michael Schultz, uh, written by Louis Venoster, and it stars Timac, Vanity, Julius Carey, Christopher Mooney, Leo O'Brien, Faith Prince, and Glenn Eaton. I mean, half of those sounded like video game characters in and of themselves. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's very rare to get the, the two stars when you have one name, like... When does that ever happen? Prince and Madonna ever made a movie? Yeah, I might have. Oh god, I hope not. <laughs> Start sniffing IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mean, it's a bit of a misnomer. The title of this, you get, you get. I was ready for a kind of Pete's Dragon style, uh, you know, whimsical adventure. Uh, obviously, the title. Misadvertises dragons. It's only a metaphor. Turns out for a glowing young man, I think, mm-hmm. or a, or a badge that that symbolises uh, mastery of kung fu. Is there more to it? I don't know. Is is the is did I miss the bit where there's an actual last dragon? No. Pass. I think I think he's referred to as the last dragon. No, there was like, no the actual dragon. Yeah, the last dragon is him. Okay, so. It's more of a Ricky the Dragon steamboat type of thing where he's the <laughs> dragon. Well, uh, metaphorical dragon aside, uh, Anthony, why did you select this film for us to have a little gandrat this week? Um, well, I, I kind of I've reached a point where I've kind of run out of my own guilty pleasures uh, to present to you guys. So I started looking at other places. And I found uh, loads of videos on YouTube of Siskel and Eber doing uh, their own guilty pleasures. And this was one that came up and that caught my attention. Well, didn't and... one of them already write his own movie that is full of guilty pleasures that we've already discussed? <laughs> In the Valley of the Ultra Victions. You should be very guilty about those pleasures. <laughs> All right, so you, you're, yeah, you're pillaging um, other people's it, it... little shameful <laughs> films. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, yeah, my, my mind is running out of the ability to pluck random obscure things by itself anymore. Yeah, there is... So, yeah. There, there, I, I, I also felt we needed... It was it was time to do another trashy 80s martial arts thing, which we haven't done in a while. Sure. Yeah, I mean, that's a good... I didn't realise it was essentially... An extended music video, though, so I apologise for that. <laughs> well, I'll just call it a musical, you know, jukebox musical. We're done. That's fine. It's just a new genre. Well, it's the same producer as The Wiz, isn't it? Fuck you know. But that yeah, was intentionally a musical, was the, wasn't it? Uh, he was. He was the guy, like the owner of uh, Motown Records. Expl. Hmm. It feels like a movie created by a producer rather Absolutely. than. <laughs> you know, a, a writer or something, someone with a genuine passion for storytelling. It's more, how can I, what do kids like? Oh, they love fucking kung fu music, video games, music videos. Just stick them all at pizza restaurants and like just put them all in. <laughs> Doesn't have to make sense or 
have any rhyme or reason. Let's make sure we feature our uh, best, or the artists we want to flog discs of. <clears throat> yeah. But, it, you know, uh, the word pleasure is also in guilty pleasures, but I, I think I can see why people I, could like this. Yeah. I, I, I can, you know, it's become a bit of a cult film, and I, I can see why. I'll just leave it there for now. Yeah, but you hadn't watched this when you were a kid or anything. No. I mean, it's probably well, mid-80s as well. It's just before I was born, and you, I guess. Um, so it's, But it's a smack bang. If it couldn't feel more 80s, it's marooned in the centre. It's got, it's got... It's just absolutely infused with everything 80s, like from music videos, video games, aerobics, you know, like whatever you want. Fashion. Yeah, it's just uber eighties. So, and when it was when it was, I guess it was made when Kung Fu was like particularly having a, I say renaissance. I mean, did was Kung Fu popular when it was became a martial art? Has it been popular since? No, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be its renaissance. It would be, the be 70s. This, is, this is when it first became really popular, wasn't it? Kind of like seventies, eighties. Yeah, I think seventies for like you know exploitation the action movie cinema and then by the 80s it was like uh, martial arts movies like Karate Kid and uh, various ninja related stories. So there was a lot more martial arts going on in sort of kids and family movies mm. by the 80s rather than the sort of Bruce Lee stuff that this includes in its film because oh well, you know <laughs> that's one grave that hasn't been robbed enough. <laughs> so yeah uh, Abby you'd uh, never seen the last dragon before, right? I nearly called it the last unicorn. Yeah. No, no, see, haven't heard of it. Knew nothing about it. Still don't. Still don't. <laughs> no, you got you got notes and everything, but you you're all boned up. You know your shit. You'd be all right. I mean, we don't know like fun trivia. We just watched it and went. Hmm. But come on, you, I, I I I I understand what you're saying. Because when I was like doing the write up for this, I'm like, "What actually happened?" And then <laughs> for a long time, I didn't understand. Like there was a whole s- side plot with him looking for a master, and I was like, "What is going on here?" Yeah, it, it's it's doesn't make full sense. I mean, it just sort of does whatever. Um, it had a, a similar vibe to me as like Big Big Trouble in Little China. That one, mm. that one feels more like it has a purpose and the satirical nature to it. This is very much a kiddies sort of vibe. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I'd I'd heard of it only in probably the odd like uh, like YouTube type review of it, perhaps like a kind of mm. hidden gems cult classics. There's this mad old uh, kids kung fu movie. <laughs> And uh, I didn't remember too much. I think I'd seen like the. I vaguely could remember the the main bad guy, the black bad guy, and his gang of uh, like mad looking uh, followers, I suppose. But I had never gone. Oh, do you know what? I should watch this. So <laughs> given it, I'd gone like, ah, you're all right. <laughs> if we'd have seen the poster, though, we would have. I think, I mean, the posters, you know, I don't know, it's a little cheap looking. It's all like glowing, glowy, glowy boys. I would have sold me. 
If I'd have seen that poster, it would be blank. I'm watching this now. Well, we have watched it. So here we are. Time to, <laughs> time to dissect and uh, analyse. Well, maybe not analyse. <laughs> Certainly discuss. Um, so yeah, this plot then. It is confusing. We've tried, you, you did try and sum it up there. I would say it is mostly about a young uh, martial artist, kung fu. Uh, he's he, so fucking. His name is uh, Bruce Leroy. Is there with Leroy Green? But like, they, everyone calls him Bruce Leroy. Yeah, because he dresses up like a fucking stereotypical Chinese guy. <laughs> Like the first, like one of the first scenes is him just kind of like walking around the streets of New York in that giant kind of like Chinese so, hat. <laughs> so absurd. Yeah, he's got that one of those hat. the conical sort of rice picker hats, and then it's like uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like a they call it a gi or something. What's your outfit called when you're doing martial arts? I don't know. I know your little little pajamas. <laughs> pajamas, there. Um, so he, but he wanted, like, even if you you do martial arts, right? You'd be still dressed in street clothes, like you wouldn't be going around. I mean, there's a definite uh, on the spectrum vibe to Leroy. <laughs> like he's got his interest, <laughs> and he's he's passionate about kung fu. Um, and he's an he's a very innocent, nice man, kung boy. Um, and yeah, he, he has a he has a spectrum vibe to him. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's essentially his honourable... It's his honour... I can't say it, sorry. It's him honourably trying to defend uh, what becomes his love interest and just stick it up for himself while not trying to deliberately start conflict. So he's, you know, uh, he's trying to live his life by the teachings of his master or his, like, tutor, who's a... Asian guy who's been teaching him Kung Fu, I guess. Though we get that at the start, the way he's sort of amazing. Mm. He can catch arrows mid-flight and things, isn't it? He can even oh, yes. pick out what colour they are. Yeah, because that's the real challenge. It's not just plucking an arrow out of the air, but picking the right colour arrow. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Fucking... All right. Well done. I mean, just, you know... It just it, there's just a nice establishing bit, isn't it? To say, oh look, he's good at martial arts, I guess, and his master is like, you, you, I've taught you all I could teach. I'm gonna rip a badge with a dragon off of you, and then explain something vague about. There's a bunch of he has like a little wall with circles on that have indistinct logos, and one of them's a dragon, and he talks a lot of shit. And then Leroy even mm-hmm. has loads of like, what well, I would agree with one of our antagonist is like mumbo jumbo <laughs> just what they called those like sagely things that people say proverbs wisdom yeah sort of yeah I guess that yeah there's sort of little tidbits of wisdom and sagely things to say I don't know it's <laughs> <laughs> just, just when you, but they, they're all a bit contrite and like what what are you trying to say just say say what you want to say but he's reached, he's reached, you know, I don't know, super top class level or something. And he can't be taught anymore, but he has to go on a quest to find the last dragon. Or, no. or become the master. Is it, well, no. What then? He is, look, wait. 
I need to find this. He needs to find his new master that can continue to teach him. And his name is some dumb guy. Oh, really? That that's all from this film. <laughs> some dumb the, guy. Some dumb guy. Is his is his t- tutor like taking the piss or something? Like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's revealed later that he doesn't actually exist and that it was meant to be a lesson for him. Not to be so gullible. To, to discover that he already had everything he needed. It turns out the master is the friends you made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the trouble is, he's given a sort of Bruce Lee, I don't know if he's like a talisman or some knick-knack Bruce Lee war, allegedly, in some film. It turns out to be a belt buckle, but right. he does not get told that at the time. We don't get told a lot. We don't still don't fully know why he glows at the end of the film. So it's it's like you could easily just have um, an actual quest, or uh, part of his training is to do something uh, to reach a kind of inner strength that he that he could really gain from uh, real life defending himself, or you know, sit, like it could be some sort of internalized quest for improvement. Or some get the fucking magic item. They, they could do with a magic item in this film. Not many films are improved by having some MacGuffin, but I, I feel like this one wastes the opportunity to have... You know, it gives people glow powers, and yet, why? We don't know why. <laughs> Fuck and it. I thought that was going to be a metaphor for so long until, like, the last ten minutes of the film, and it's like, oh, okay. Actual glowing, actual mm. magical powers... Wasn't exactly that. Ill but also the bad guy gets it for nothing. <laughs> like, I don't know. But we could come back to maybe why or what happens at the, the showdown, the final showdown. <laughs> but um, it's essentially a story about Leroy on his own personal quest, but being pulled into uh, a feud with a, 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 a mixed race Harlem. Kung Fu gang who wear massive shoulder pads and red and black costumes and a. I mean, they're very, they're very ex- extravagant-looking, uh, exuberant-looking gang, aren't they? I mean, they're not your usual sort of, you know, street tough. No, yeah. What does, what does the main guy wear? It's like something between kind of like traditional Japanese armor and then also like American football gear. Yeah. And he's got that leopard pelt belt thing. Yeah, he's got a uh, he's got a kind of wrestling belt that is just a leopard's face, literally. And then uh, his um ja- his huge robe is tiger print covered. And I uh, apparently his name is Shona. Shona. But Show I didn't, enough. That. I didn't, didn't get not it. know that until the credits. I thought everyone was just calling him Shogun. Certainly. So that that was their bad. Because his gang slash entourage do cheer him as show enough. He has a kind of bit of wrestling style shtick where his entourage follow him and then oh, go, they go ahead of him and they chant like you know shit. And so the answer, yeah, the answer, the call and response is you're meant to shout his name, which is show enough. Um, you know, which I guess is just a slangy nickname that he goes by, unless his mum named him, unless she is called Mrs. Nuff at his first name. <laughs> Shogun would have been fine, I think, as well. Mm. That makes sense. 
But well, like I said, that's what I thought they were because he does. He goes by like the Shogun of Harlem, and I just thought it's oh, it's just Shogun, okay. Yeah, I mean, this isn't a film set in reality, reality, because this guy would get beaten up by actual street thugs if he was going around <laughs> wearing this clobber and his yeah. top knot and his. Uh... Well, maybe, maybe he'd be thought. Maybe people just assume he's a pimp or something. I don't know. It's, it's quite something. I will say that this this is like one thing I liked about. I said one thing. Like the, the the big thing I liked about this was I was coming in expecting it to be like a really because because most martial art things from the eighties are they're cheesy but they they take themselves seriously yeah whereas this one clearly doesn't take itself seriously and like instead of like having the the, the brooding um, angry um, main guy like yeah like uh, Leroy is really nerdy and like not popular yeah even within his own family his brother who's much younger and smaller than him is still sort of lippier yeah. and funnier and more popular than him and they just they just kind of have fun with the kind of martial arts mysticism that did, like is always in yeah all it, those films it doesn't take itself seriously and you can see on the faces of the actors, they're having a laugh. It looks like they're having a laugh. They almost look like they're corpsing and, and laughing on camera by accident. But, <laughs> like, especially when there's a bunch of, there's, like, three women of different kind of amazing looks. Like, there's the white girl who has, like, massive colored hair. And there's, a there's like, a black girl. I mean, there's, like, there's just three different looks of, of women in, in uh, Shodaf's gang. And then a bunch of other gang members as well that wear like, lesser versions of his red and black costume. And they all are, ha- when they're, like, bullying people and fighting and, and making fun of people, they look like, this is fun, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'll join the gang. I'll give me one, some of these weird geese or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, but there's a general sense of uh, playfulness that comes across. Um, it would be hard to take it seriously, so you can't, really. That's <laughs> true. Uh, but, you know, we live in a heightened reality. What I, what I, the scene I love um, that sets up Shonuff is so Leroy is just in the cinema watching. He loves Bruce Lee movies, as does all of the people of Harlem, because there's a lot of <laughs> this. This cinema is rammed uh, full of incredibly, an incredibly diverse, noisy crowd of different types of people from like uh, I don't know, like they got everyone, and they got like like uh, like street hustling looking dudes and like older looking I don't know rockers and who else was in this audience Abby do you remember there were well, this thing is just there was different ages there was different types they even had one hard man first nation in there literally every type of person you could think of that would live in New York they got, like, some people... people who wouldn't <laughs> but was there I saw those like hooting and horror horror Hooting and hollering type cinema experiences where there's like popcorn everywhere and you're laughing and shouting and talking and break dancing in the aisles and then having but... your um, <laughs> your stereo smashed in by a, a, a thick set Asian guy. That was the thing. Like it was so Brucey was so popular that people would go and see his films again and again and again. So they they were talking along with the film at some points before Shonuff went stuck his oar in. So it was just. It's just the thing you did to keep yourself abused. I love it. Yeah. It was a proper bear pit. It could have, if you were there to watch the serious piece of cinema, you might be a bit, come on, guys. 
But they seem to be all on the same page that this is just how how things are in in the mean streets of Harlem when you go to the cinema. It's just absolute chaos, and uh, yeah, people of all ages and races and uh, genres go. Um, uh, yeah, it seems like so. Leroy is politely sort of watching the film and uh, sort of like minding his own business, and then in comes uh, these this this show show enough guy and his entourage of completely look dickheads basically picking a fight and then they're like and it's quite arbitrary that him and Leroy get in a food because he just sort of grabs a child and like <laughs> asks him like who is the master who's the toughest or whatever and the guy is not you are sure enough he's like oh Leroy Bruce Leroy is is he's well lad he literally walks around the streets of New York dressed like you know so and no one beats him up so fair play to him and then from that point on, sure enough, like, this guy's a prick. He's my nemesis. And Leroy doesn't do anything to deserve this. He's just trying to mind his own. Well, he's not wearing it at the time. But I think other people would be irritated if you've got the body confidence to wear that Bruce Lee yellow onesie. <laughs> I mean, Bruce Lee barely wears it, mainly because he died in the making of the film where he wears it. Mainly another guy wears that uh, Bumblebee onesie. <laughs> Obviously, uh, you know, gets... It's been worn a lot now these days. It's very popular because such a it's such a weird outfit to be famous, isn't it? Like it's it's weird in Game of Death, which I think it's from. Uh, Bruce Lee is in the fight at the end, but it's basically another actor playing him. And the reason he's dressed like that is not because he he has an odd fashion sense. This sort of it's just the several bikers with different kind of uh, well, like tracksuits, like with stripes down the side. And the one that this whose costume is nicked by the protagonist is is the yellow biker. <laughs> so he has the final battle in this like yellow and black striped jogging. I don't know sweat sweat sweatsuit. What is it like? Is and then now like Uma Thurman wears it in Kill Bill, or wears a variation on it, and just people have it as a classic uh, costume for Halloween and stuff. Like Phil Wang. Or it in Taskmaster, <laughs> you know, it, like it's 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 a weird outfit to be referenced. But it, I mean, it, you know, and this movie does the same because it wants to get you. It wants to get you in. Oh, if you like Bruce Lee, well, you're gonna love this weird kids <laughs> movie that likes Bruce Lee as well. Anyway, he's getting sidetracked. He doesn't have that outfit at this stage. He's still dressed in his sort of blue pajama <laughs> gi thing. So what happens with uh, how does how does this uh, cinema Barney go down. I mean, I believe there's some fight in a chair, isn't there? Oh, there's the fat, <laughs> the fat guy who rips his clothes off to reveal a, a shitty pink tank top that's undersized. <laughs> like just some guy at the, at the back of the cinema just not having yeah, it. Yeah, his mate goes, well, you're, his, his mates are heckling and be like, you're nothing! And then his, this guy just gets up, quickly takes off his jacket, stands there in his tank, tank top. You're like, wow, <laughs> that is confidence, my friend. <laughs> Yeah, yeah sure. Just essentially challenges the whole room to a fight, and most of them take it up. <laughs> yeah, in fairness. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an odd one. It's, and then this is the thing: is this the plot is not driven by this. The plot is then right. We have this other bad guy that we we also need. Uh, maybe it's just because it was 
produced by people who promote in music videos. They were like, well, we have to have a music producer type guy or promoter of an artist in here. Like, do you? What's that could do with anything? But Apparently there's... he's a video arcade mogul, but I only know that because I looked it up at the end. His name is Eddie Arcadian. That's how you know. <laughs> Again, <laughs> another one, is he born with that name or is he choosing that name? Yeah, kind this of... has got all of the same mentality as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> it does, doesn't yeah. it? It's very much that way. Really I wouldn't have been surprised mm-hmm. if they'd have turned up and started, uh, you know, breakdancing as well. I mean, they really, they like breakdancing and, uh, you know, they're ninjas, so it's different, different cultural upbringing, but still. <laughs> Never mind. It does have that vibe, though. Uh, but yeah, he's, okay, Eddie Arcadian, he is uh, rich enough that you think, can't you pay someone to put you... He's got a wife, he wants to have her become, I guess, like um, a music star. Um, she sings and dances and uh, wears incredible 80s outfits. Like she, Her first outfit has like big pink like uh, set square in her hair and all kinds She's of... She's wearing a series of draft excluders. Yeah, a kind of aerobics draft excluder outfit. I don't know what's going on. But she, you know, she has a, she's, so he's, he's like a balding bloke, small bloke in a suit type guy. And she's this 80s monument to terrible fashion. And she can sort of nominally sing and dance. Uh, but it's kind of a bit cringe and a bit tacky, perhaps. I mean, could have fitted right in, to be honest. But yeah, he wants her to become a big mu- uh, music star, right? And the way to do that is to get her her music video featured on the music video and live performance show that our love interests uh, the love interest of Leroy is the host of, is that right? Yes. Yeah. What's that show called? This what's this woman and is her that the, this is her this is vanity, right? The, the, is she a famous eighties person? Yes. And I, I will refer to you to my favourite bit of trivia from uh <laughs> from IMDB about this film. Vanity, known for singing sexually suggestive songs while performing in ron- lingerie and doing nude scenes, has no nude scenes in this movie. <laughs> and does not do suggestive songs. Uh, well, that is a shame. <laughs> That's a bit like getting Nicki Minaj to be in your movie and then not making, uh, not getting use of her full assets and range. But it, it is it, that does sound like squandering the opportunity. But it's meant to be a kids' film. She didn't strike me as like a particularly raunchy person in this. She's vaguely competently acted. I think she's hmm. fine as just a believable singer presenter. So she's not called Vanity in this. So she got like a more regular name, right? Yeah, Laura Charles. Yeah, and does she? <laughs> does she? She introduces what? We get a few fucking songs here. In in the fucking start of the film, where we establish the show, yeah, uh, the the place is called Seventh Heaven. I don't know if that's the name of the show as well or not. But, they, do a, uh, they do a number about it as well, don't they? Yes, and the first thing they do is essentially play the full music video to rhythm. I've got lovely Jerry Curl Mullet. Fucking hash. You are. Debarge. What are you saying? Yes. Debarge. That's yeah, the, the guy who sings it. Debarge. <laughs> yes. Am I saying it right? 
I think it's his actual name. Like that's fine. I just it doesn't sound like I'm saying a, a name that is right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that song was huge. I get you know fair enough. I was like, uh, yeah. But at, but at this point, you've you've already had like five minutes of a Bruce Lee film, and then they're starting playing music videos. It's like it's not a good sign for the first twenty minutes of your movie. And like in one of Brian De Palma's films, Frankie goes to Hollywood, have a kind of music video in the middle of the the plot, but they at least work it work it in in that it's about a sort of weird sex club, and so it's semi justified as a, as like a porno set come like club scene. So the fact that there's a music video is sort of like okay, that's fine, I guess. But this is literally just we're killing time and we're promoting a music video. Yep, <laughs> and then we're gonna have more fucking singing and dancing and like uh, <clears throat> you know more choreographed like life for TV shit. Like she's coming out of the ceiling with lights around her at one stage. Is uh, gonna call her vanities a bit in him. Um, so you know, to that it does. It's just a lot of fucking you know musicy bullshit that you can get into <laughs> or not. I don't know. Did you guys enjoy it? I don't know. No. <laughs> I was neutral. You know, it was like, oh, I guess I've switched to MTV for a minute. Ah, now <laughs> we're back. <laughs> yeah, I'll VH1 these days. <laughs> but, like, it was because they do a few on top of each other. You're like, okay, what are we doing now, guys? Like, yeah. it's supposed to be a Kung Fu movie, right? No? Maybe not. Uh, but, you know, that establishes that. And so there's this fucking Arcadia guy just wants his wife to have the music video on the show, which, if he's got some money, he could presumably just pay the producers. I, I don't know, she, if she doesn't have enough natural talent is is the question mark. And I, she Wait. has two videos, right? She has another one where she's dressed like a fucking bunch of traffic lights or something. <laughs> and the cones. Well, he does try and do a traditional way where he... Tries to buy off the producers, uses a little bit of coercion, but she, as the host, gets the final say, and she's just having it. Well, she'd be the face. Surely she wouldn't have a say. But like, uh, it's a bit like trying to ask Fern Cotton to. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. It's not like anything. The, they they turn to black, not black. You know, they turn to kidnapping. Is the first. Uh, I mean, this was a bold move. Going like, oh, we'll kidnap the woman who hosts the show. And make the demand that our busy video goes on and my wife can become famous. And this definitely won't backfire in my face. I mean, I don't know how you get out of a scandal of... I mean, you'd have to have her be frightened for her life not to mention it to anyone. But then it was the 80s, maybe. I mean, the producers <laughs> did work this way, it seemed. Like, that no one will believe you. <laughs> I did get a bit of a chuckle out of the fact that they kidnap her. Women, Not the first time, the second time when they actually succeed in kidnapping her. And then when you cut back to her later on, they're just making her watch the music video. That was funny. That is funny. It's odd as well how the wife isn't that into the villainous element of this her husband and the, and the sort of men she he employs. So she kind of falls out with them all because she's she kind of not she's never really that bad a character. So it's like, well, why shouldn't shouldn't this be a bad character who doesn't deserve him? This is quite a pleasant woman. It's just a bit dumb. Yeah, she reminded me of uh, so she's sort of between uh, what's her name, fucking Cindy Lauper, Cindy Lauper, and the woman from Ghostbusters, the secretary. You know, <laughs> like a sort of in between place. Yes. 
She used to have a very particular kind of red hair that they only had in the 80s. Yeah. So the thugs that this guy employs, they sort of fake being the limo driver or something, right? They they sort of try and bundle her into the back of a limo and steal her away after the recording of the TV show, right? But Leroy's there to, like, sort of deck them all and, you know, kick, do, do cool kung yeah. fu kicks and things. As he aimlessly wanders the street. Yeah. Well, you know, what are you going to do? It's, like, it's life, isn't it? Can't, you can't criticise him for just wandering around. <laughs> People can he go is on looking a for the master. Could be anyway. He has to, like, you see, part of his quest is he just finds three unstereotypical <laughs> Asian guys who all wear wacky outfits and talk in street voices and wear terrible clothes. And they sort of dick him around a lot, don't they? Like, I don't He's Like, the name of the uh, restaurant or business is called something. The proprietor over the door is uh, Samdungoi. It's what? Samdungoi. Some some dum- right. And he's like, oh, this is part of my quest. And they're, like, taking the piss. Hmm. It really goes nowhere. This <laughs> <It's that laughs> of it. But Leroy looks like the fucking dude because he's seen off a bunch of grown-up adult thugs. Um, and this woman's like, "Oh, cool! I'll think I'll swoon towards you." And then Leroy's like, "Oh, that's fine." <laughs> he's a bit—he's a bit of a loser, so he doesn't capitalize fully. Yeah, it does he does have a touch of oh, Mrs. Patterson. Yeah, <laughs> but he's—you he's, know—it's chivalry, and you know he did it out of the duty of. Um, being a honourable man, not not to get anywhere with this woman, isn't it? Mm. It's good to have a protagonist in essentially a kids' movie that is virtuous and. Um, yeah, his only thing is he's frequently um, suffering from erection panic. <laughs> <laughs> we never see one, but you know he's just like, ah, I have to go. <laughs> Yeah, he's nervous. That's alright, though. She's a popular celebrity famous lady who's, you know, out of his league, really. Maybe he's a kind of classic, um, you know, will they want their romance star, right? Like, oh, I can't be with you because you're too cool for me. That's fine. I kind of like some of the wholesome elements of this. Weirdly, it's not usually my bag. It's a family old... uh, Bruce Leroy, though, doesn't he? That he goes back to, and they're not. He's not even the coolest guy in his family, because I mentioned he's got a brother who's better than him. Cooler and more streetwise and just funny. And his family are like, fucking Leroy, he's a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> Which is quite rich for them, because they run a. They have the. They're like black people who run a pizza place, and that's supposed to be, oh, see, that's novel, isn't it? It should be Italian Americans, right? Oh, but it's not. And they wear insane. Clown golf claws type uniforms <laughs> in their restaurant. What do you make of these guys? Yeah, not much. Not really much, are they? They're, they're like, I, I, they hit the right marks in terms of people like that, where the small business owners who've gone in on a gimmick. And they've got that son, which they're worried he won't make anything himself. In the end, but he's very nice and just, you know, he'll be all right. He just might be a bit lonely. Yeah. I do, I like the scene where uh, Show Nuff turns up at the mom and pop pizza place and they look, they're looking for Leroy and then the dad's like, that's my name because he's, you know, he's got the same name as his son or whatever. 
And then he's like, oh, they're like Kung Fu version. No, they're into Kung Fu and stuff. You look like, you know, regular old dude. I want the tacky Kung Fu kid. And they're like, oh, that's our son. And then Shodaf and his gang basically beat up all the customers and uh, staff. Well, the son, they dump in a bin and they beat up, they smash up the joint, basically. Kind of uh, like a bunch of jerks. <laughs> and uh, The way they put the kid in the bin as well, you generally like they fucking did it. They put the kid in the bin. But <laughs> <laughs> head first, it was very good. I mean, I found it, I found it to be a fun, ridiculous scene. Or like, it seems dickish of them, and it gets the parents to worrying about the danger their son might be in, and it gives uh, Leroy some motivation to, you know, get at these guys rather than just. He's always trying to, you know, avoid conflict because they also find him in his dojo, right? He's training a class of, mar- uh, you know, martial arts kids. Uh, some of them are kind of like they're they're all right. There's no, there's not, a, it's not like a big deal. But like one of them's a kind of cheeky, like Italian American looking kid who's not very good, and his gimmick is to just make. Or oh, is he Asian? I can't remember now. All I remember is his name is Johnny. I think he was at least half Asian, and yeah, he did mention he did refer to himself as Asian at some point. But he is making up. He his character has is some development because he's got this idea that he could just make Bruce Lee noises and make big gestures, and that will be intimidating enough to see a lot of people off. He doesn't have to actually be good at fighting. And there's a few. You know, there's a few. There's generally a homogenous class of uh, students that are interchangeable and, and are used for big action sequences to fight. But they, you know, there's not much. There's a little. There's a little. Asian kid as well, isn't there, who's used in some of the actual entertaining choreographed fights. Yes, what was his name? Because didn't he, wasn't he like in all children's martial arts films in like the 90s? That young kid. I'm going to have to defer to you two here. I wasn't I really watching martial arts films in the 90s. I mean, it would make sense though, because he was vaguely talented. <laughs> and obviously... Some of the stunt people had to know a little bit of something to put. I mean, apparently, uh, Ernie Ray's Junior. Does sound familiar? I don't know. Yeah, he was in like he was in the 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 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle films, Surf Ninjas. Ah. Uh, He was in Red Sonja. He was the kid in Red Sonja. Yeah, I mean, you know, they they they're just there really to make the numbers up because it is about Leroy and Shonuff. Going at each other, but they, you know there has to be big brawls for it to be entertaining. And I guess the the main thing to take away from the when Shonuff turns up and humiliates Leroy, Leroy's trying to be passive and not engage in fighting because he's about avoiding conflict uh, and not just fighting for the sake of it and pass path of least resistance and all that shit. But Shodaf's a bit of a prick and wants him to kiss his tennis shoes or his converse. Kiss his converse? That's what he says, right? Kiss his converse, yeah. And uh, all the gang are sort of, you know, belittling him and forcing him to, like, kiss his shoes. That scene did sort of annoy me because I get it. I get get why, like, as part of his growth, you need to show him being... Pacifist, I suppose. But they came in and started attacking people. It's like that's that's a good excuse to beat them up. 
Yeah. <laughs> so that that kind of annoyed me. I'm I'm alright with it because it's it's trying to show his class. Like it's immediately it's humiliating and they sort of lose respect for him. But he isn't teaching them that you're allowed to just fight people. Like he is maybe this will de escalate if he just doesn't fight show enough. You know what I mean? If he resists and gives in and he is sort of reluctantly does fight does, you know, get shoved down to his knees and and, and say he's the master or whatever. I don't, you keep saying you're I'm the master. You're like, the master of what? Like fighting Harlem, the universe, like what is, what is Master Beta, what is happening? What is this claim? Like there's no motivation for show enough other than I I'm a prick and I'm gonna act the big man. But like do you, does he have an income from this? He's not like it's not like a <laughs> rival dojo thing, like in Karate Kid or something. It's not like childhood bully bullshit from so like some. There's no reason for the for it for this nonsense. There's later on, he's even offered a briefcase full of money to take out uh, Bruce Leroy, and he's like, "Nah, that's all right. I'll do it for free." So, <laughs> the, why is why is why is he got this invented beef? Just because the people, the kids in the cinema are like, ah, someone else is harder than you, mate. I mean, you could easily write this stuff in. <laughs> There's no reason to avoid it. It's not like, you know, it's not rocket science, is it? I'm not sure I want more background on show enough, John Steve. I think we got just as much as we needed. Well, he's an enigma wrapped in lion <laughs> pelt and uh, red and black and also some leopard as well. He has some fun outfits, I will say. I find them funny, though. I think they're entertaining as a as a group. They have uh, heel wrestler energy to them. Like yes. NWO Wolfpack, or even NWO regular. One of the WCW-type crappy gangs of roaming wrestlers. Um, picking fights for no reason. Um, but yeah, what else happens uh, after this? What have we got in your notes, Abby? Have you got any details that we need to talk about? We've looked on a bit, which I, I'm okay with. Hmm. It just means that finding stuff in my notes is a bit harder. Okay. But they're having a weird Mandingo fight during the thug, the thug recruitment segment <laughs> I want to talk about. Okay, yeah. This is the... Arc- Eddie Arcadia is trying to hire people because his first gang, after being beaten up by one kid, have to come back with all like black eyes and stuff. And like, um, yeah, well, we couldn't kidnap the woman because we there was loads of them with chains. And yeah, like chains and oh, numerous blokes. We definitely didn't get beaten up by a child. Which is quite quite actually good comedy writing in a kind of broad <clears throat> kiddie way. So then. These thugs have sort of wrestler energy, mm. but also sort of, oh, I don't know how to explain it, but just, just sort of... It's like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Villain of the Week vibe. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're not mutant animals, they're just blokes who bark like a dog. <laughs> Doesn't have a costume, just a bald guy who barks like a dog and headbutts a table. And they're like, you're hired. Take the table damage out of his pay or whatever. I get, also, you you hired adult men who couldn't get the job done. Then you're just getting any random weirdos in 
Oh, it turns out it's in a universe where everyone is ready to fight and it has exuberant uh, costumes. But um, I don't... <laughs> who is this guy? He's got this money to pay for all of these thugs just to get his wife's music video on like a show. I mean, priorities. Well, is this the tipping point for Eddie into completely losing his mind? It becomes personal for him, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah. Because it's not long after this where he's just letting stuff unfold and he's watching it with this sort of, like, gleeful... I know, he's almost salivating at it all, even though he's in deep shit and he's going to go to jail. Yeah, even he's... Towards the end, he's lost... uh, His wife is stopped rooting for him. It's not really about the music video anymore. It's just, I want to get this guy, this fucking kid who's done nothing wrong, but try and rescue... A woman who's been kidnapped. They do successfully kidnap this uh, TV show lady, don't they? The second time. Kidnapped three times in this film. Is it three <laughs> times? Fucking hell. To varying degrees of success. Oh yeah, because at the end he's got her as a kind of hostage, doesn't he? But she's here. She's taken to their eighties Uber eighties awesome flat, and is and is meets this woman that. She is reluctant. I, she, is she just like, just, nah, we ain't putting her on. Is there some reason? Or just like, she's a bit crap? What, what yeah, is she, she just doesn't, she's not even like aggressively against it. She's just like, nah, that's a bit shit, mate. <laughs> Sorry, love. Yeah. Simon Calzum, like, mm, not for me. <clears throat> Do we have any, is there, there's another music video in the flat as well. Like, where does, there is the sort of road sign themed dance number is there a da- is that right there's a dance number between this this woman puts on a live music video as well or is it do they show it i can't remember do you remember I, anthony I, I don't just gloss just glazed over <laughs> it's your pick mate you gotta you gotta fight its corner you the ipso facto <laughs> defender oh wait are you talking about the bit where she puts together the video for him where it's intercut with Bruce Lee and something else. Oh, that bit? No, but oh. go on. That's all I remember. That's in the studio, right? That, yeah. Um, they have... Yeah, Bruce Lee is a big... It's projected or whatever in the studio as part of some gimmicky TV show number, right? Yes. And he gets a kiss out of it, and then, again, erection panic, and leaves. Yeah. Oh, that's... Doesn't it, like, that that gives him the idea to go in disguise to the pizza place or something? Yeah. Or fortune cookie place. Got pizza for you, my man. (laughs) I'm your soul brother. Yeah. What what the disguise cons- consists of? What? Hat. Hat. He doesn't wear his jacket. Good disguise. <laughs> what for? What I reason? do like that though because it's like it's kind of a gag, isn't it? Yeah, it's the kind of guy who does it so badly. Yeah. Uh, with the, where, why does he wear the sort of Bruce Lee style outfit? Why does that happen? I think that's just in the dojo when he's training people. He's just wearing it. I don't think it comes up again. Just, yeah, it's, uh, just it's for athletic purposes in that oh, situation. Yeah. That's okay. So how do we... 
uh, how do we get so the, Vanity is kidnapped, and obviously Re- Leroy has to save the day. Uh, but how did we? Because the main fights occur. There's like a sort of ambush trap set up. Is there for Leroy? Where everyone fights. Is that in the studio or is it somewhere else? Yeah, that's 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 his final trap in the studio. So they, before then, there is a fight scene in his office after yeah. the first successful kidnapping. Yeah. Where they they set up a really weird thing of like he's got a fish tank with some Piranhas. undescript monstrous thing in there that eats things. I, t- I took it to mean piranha because they have that. There's just that big bulky bloke like who's the sort of henchman of him of Eddie, and he's just a sort of douchebag looking guy who keep who feeds massive chunks of pig or lamb or whatever to uh, as you say a nondescript sea beast. <laughs> hey, what happens with that? Was, does someone get fed to the fucking piranhas or whatever? No, there is a scene where he dunks Eddie's head in there momentarily, but nothing really comes out of it. Hmm. Disappointing. <laughs> yeah. So do they? Does he actually get rid? Like, do they the apartment fight? Does that conclude with her being rescued, or is that? I can't quite remember how he transitioned to being in the studio. He's sort of. Eddie is at the controls, right, in the studio, and it's sort of, is he going to force some sort of music video to be recorded or something? I don't remember why they're all there. I remember that... Uh, oh, that's, yeah, that's, they're, they're all there. He's just, like, set up the trap for him, and he's, you know, maniacally made it interesting using videotape and smoke and lights. Yeah, I think she was going there for work purposes, and then he's there, and... No. Fucking, I don't, I don't know if I don't remember or if it didn't make sense. <laughs> like, uh, what the rhyme or reason for everything just seems so like, what are we doing? Why is this happening now? The middle is a bit of a blur for me, if I'm being honest. It's him. I know, I know that uh, Shonuff is recruited as a kind of, oh, you, you're fucking a dickhead who wears shoulder pads and is into martial arts. You have some money. I'm not going to take it. I'll happily dispatch fucking. Leroy myself, I already don't like him from a whole cinema incident. And and then it just becomes, okay, Lee, Shonuff isn't there initially, so all of the other characters get to fight while in the studio space. And we get the little Asian kid uh, and the Bruce Lee imitating uh, guy from the class kind of stealing the show a little bit in the, in the massive brawl with all the hired bad guys and the the sort of martial arts students all fight there, don't they? And it's I mean, it's sort of vaguely entertaining. I mean, you know, I don't want to be too mean. No, it, like, it, it was cheesy fun, that bit. Like, playful, choreographed martial arts business where it's about having a laugh and beating the bad guys. Before yeah. then transitioning to the now we must go uh, now we must take we take the hostage to a generic warehouse where we can film quite easily without any interruptions <laughs> um, and have something that looks vaguely grimy but is of no significance to the overarching plot. Um, to have the final showdown, isn't it? Like, show enough has to take on Leroy and sort of defeat him so that he doesn't stop this evil plan to put out your wife who doesn't like you anymore's music video on a TV show. <laughs> uh, what? 
<laughs> but like I was saying, he does lose his mind after a certain point. Yeah, towards the end, it's more of an, a hurt ego kind of thing where he just wants to take out Leroy for embarrassing him, I suppose. Yeah, and Shonef just wants to be the master. Uh, it's not good enough that he's already bullied Leroy into saying you're the master and kissing his converse and uh, belittling him at every turn. Now he wants to like beat him up for real, real. What do you guys make of the, the final fight? <laughs> um... <laughs> it was all very standard for a while, and then all of a sudden his hand starts glowing red, and it's quite obvious he's got some sort of mystical power. Show nothing. <laughs> and, then, and then it caught my attention, because I wasn't <laughs> expecting it. I, I assumed it was some kind of metaphor going on. For what? <laughs> I don't come on his period, what's going on? <laughs> But then, sure enough, the, the, the glow is a thing. It's a mystical force that they, they can wield. So, but like, sure enough, you know, they have a regular sort of, you know, kung fu fight in the warehouse. Lots of uh, hitting, striking, blocking. And then, basically, Roy, Leroy has him defeated temporarily. Then he vanishes from where he was. And, uh, and then, sure enough, comes back glowing and stronger than ever. And it's not like he's tapped into anything eternal in, internally, or has found him a guffin to give him power. He just he's gone beast mode and leveled up, or I don't know, has he evolved? Like what has ha- like what has he done to get this glowing break- breakthrough, or was it a power he always had that he held back on? <laughs> it doesn't even try to suggest anything. <laughs> I mean, in theory, if he's gone through the same training as Leroy. He should be at the same point, but I guess he can only muster enough for his arm to glow. Whereas <laughs> by the end, the whole like Leroy's whole body is glowing. Yeah, he sort of glow scratches uh, Leroy and has him metaphorically on the ropes a bit. But luckily, old Bruce Leroy has finally, you know, he's he's had the quest where he's he's. He's gone down a wild goose chase with the Asian guys at the restaurant who were taking the piss out of him. He's been a white knight saving the day, and now he's you know forced into combat, and he's reached deep down inside himself, and as he's feeling the glow. And I mean, isn't that like Naomi from wrestling's thing anyway? Feeling the glow, Abby. Yes, it is. She felt the glow. She's all like, she's a lady who wrestles with all. <laughs> she totally goes from this film. As well. <laughs> <laughs> she's got cool outfits and stuff that light up in the dark. What's, what's Leroy got? He just glows. It's nothing. <laughs> um, but yeah, he becomes like a big yellow neon boy himself and glows. It really fucking annoys me that there's no rhyme or reason. It's like just give me anything. It can be relating to a Bruce Lee talisman if you want, or. It can, you know, I know the last dragon aspect is metaphorical, but what is happening here? Like, just is just fighting is enough to be like I'm powering up. It's it's essentially through the whole subplot of him trying to find the master and the master not existing and and being a fortune cookie mass producing machine, um, <laughs> uh, and all that. So it's like it's a metaphor for him gaining the confidence to know that he is the master. Yeah, but the, as Tita said, you're already 
awesome. Don't worry about it. He should have known from that point. Ah, right, whatever. But so he, he, had, he had to find the inner strength within him to know that. And that luckily is manifested <laughs> as a vague glowing power, like a video game, but without explanation. Yes, mm. which is only brought on when you're being drowned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, again, more fighting. I'd say it's cool, but it's just basically kicks him into a big vat that, uh, like, fucking Charlie from Willy Wonka's mum, she sort of works in what in one of those laundrettes that uses a big vat. I feel like one of those <laughs> generic big vat that must have been used for something in this derelict warehouse gun factory. And once he's kicked into that, of course, that's you know, we must have been having some sort of fish ta- uh, dunk tank match where as soon as you're in the water you're, you've lost does he disappear like he sort of bobs his clothes bob to the surface or something does does show enough no he just kind of oh no he, 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 over. he yeah that's right and Leroy sort of picks him up so he doesn't drown or something in it in case yeah. he's knocked out but that's not it is it that's not the final final bit because uh, <laughs> I bald... totally thought about the final bit <laughs> the bold, uh, the balding, uh, what's his name? Eddie Arcadia, who still has vanity hostage, whips his gun out right because he's a cheating bastard. Even Shonuff didn't pull any weapons on Leroy. It was like a, you know, it may have had a gang of thugs, but uh, he at least fought one on one. I guess. Did he also had a sec? His secondary wardrobe was fantastic. Shonuff, I, I did kind of love him. He's such a prick about everything, <laughs> but I, I kind of love him. Um, but yeah, what happens, Abby? When the you know, when the gun's whipped out, Eddie takes his shot, and Leroy goes down. We think he's you know. What do you mean we think? You, Mugs think he's mortally wounded. Uh, not for a mm-hmm. second did I think he was dead. I was like, he's fucking caught the bullet in his teeth for fuck's sake, isn't he? Which he had. He had fucking hell. We, they foreshadowed this slightly, didn't they? Like, I mean, they say oh, the arrows. in the cinema bit as well, they say that he can catch bullets in his teeth and then they, it doesn't get mentioned again. Yeah, because he's trained, the arrow training shows his quick reflexes, which is one thing. And then the, it is mentioned the bullet catching with your teeth as, as a sort of rumour, and it's proven to be true, or at least now it is. Um, yeah, he catches the bullet in his teeth. If only he'd been shot in the chest or something, he'd be dead. But, I don't know, he just does the sort of generic magic trick of catching the bullet in his teeth. Only it wasn't rigged. It was happening. He would have been killed by this fucking madman who's lost all sense of reason and rationality. And, uh, yeah, so what happens? Does he... he uh, he's down and out, it looks like, and then he, boy, he just gets up and hangs him up like Batman or something, does he? Yeah, does he... I don't know if he even, like, punches him or not. I think he just literally picks him up and puts him on a hook. And then the guy is, like, pleading with the police. But I didn't do anything. I didn't shoot a guy that then caught... I, I, I shot him, yes, but he caught the bullet with his teeth. Does that count? Does it, that's not that's not me <laughs> killing anyone. Or, I didn't even get hurt. Didn't even chip a tooth. I'd just be attempted then, probably. Attempted murder, yeah. That's true. But no one saw... I mean, I guess they got with him. The police don't really care. They just know, oh, he's hanging up. We'll arrest him. That's how that works, right? Sort of comic book logic. Whoever's tied <laughs> up is the bad guy. We all know that. And, you know, uh, uh, our... our um, I can't remember her real name. Vanity is happy with the situation because she's not dead. 
and Leroy finally mans up, and I think we go back to the music studio right before all this to have a kind of uh, yeah. Leroy does his vanishing thing. Oh yeah, he fucks uh, off because he's still a and like her producers come in going like, "Where have you been? You have to be on TV." Um, I think given the trauma and the kidnapping, <laughs> I think we can postpone the show for now. I kind of need to go to hospital or just at least go home and collect myself. No, no, there's not time for that. This is a live music video, live music show. It doesn't take, you know, hours of prep, makeup and setup and rehearsals. You can just do it now after this traumatic kidnapping, of course. Please come. We'll We'll lose the sponsors if you're not there. And so, of course, she does go and perform some more shit 80s music. And he... Oh, fucking Leroy comes in with a really nice-looking bouquet, which he immediately throws into the air and ruins. Did someone get married? Why are we throwing bouquets? It was a proxy wedding. You know, they wanted a happy ending. That's what happens at the end of films, is couples get together and they throw throw flowers. (laughs) And so they just end up going up the, they like kissing and going up through the lighting rig as part of the performance, I guess. People at home won't know she was kidnapped as well, so it'll just be like, oh, that's a weird episode where some guy came in and, and make it out with vanity <laughs> or whatever. Just breaking the hearts of thousands of people. Yeah, she got to, she got to look single for all the, you know, all the kids watching home. Even this ten year old brother of Leroy, who is partly. Uh, he's he's sort of cheering along uh, Leroy when he's fighting. Leroy sort of makes sure he's kept out of things. He sort of shuts him out of the factory area. So he sort of washes through a mesh fence. I, I guess he gains the respect of his little brother, who's much cooler than him. And uh, his, but the little brother is also kind of knocked that Leroy eventually did, you know, get over his autism and actually kiss this woman. <laughs> and get his boner can finally be strong and true. <laughs> yeah, but he gets to kiss the girl disappearing to the light rigging and we sort of uh, credits roll, you know guys, happy endings at last the the good has triumphed over evil once again all's right with the world no shit, music <laughs> videos are going to be on MTV anytime soon <laughs> little did they know that it would all be flooded with reality TV content and actually the drama about people kissing is more what people want to watch than actual music videos. It started reality TV from that moment on. People were like, oh, wow, I love that episode where it was less about music and more about teen drama. And, a, and a, just an industry changed at that point. <laughs> Slightly off topic, but if you think about it, you can kind of blame Ozzy Osbourne for the takeover of Reality TV. On MTV, yeah, for sure. Like, was, the, <laughs> was it Meet the Osman? Os, what were they called? Osborns? What was the show mm. called? I think that it was just yeah. the Osborns, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the first following uh, a celebrity group, right? Because there was obviously Big Brother and uh, game showy type reality shows. And then it became, oh, we could just follow celebrities in their real lives and we, we could sort of fictionalize it and make it. Uh, more entertaining than it would. We force people to argue and have things happen that normally wouldn't. And it started a, a sickly trend for we don't actually need music videos on music television, which <laughs> then birthed hack comedy routines about how I remember when music video TV had music videos on TV, you know, or whatever. 
Oh my god. If you, if you do modern reality TV show, it isn't even vaguely pretending to be real anymore. Like the kind of like made in Chelsea type shit is just shot reverse shot, clearly people acting rather than it's meant to be their real lives and yet they're acting and it doesn't make sense. I I'm not sure you're using the word acting correctly. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, people acting badly is still acting, as this film has taught us. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't, it's, beca- it's become, it's kind of reality TV has gone full circle from being, oh, look, we, like, the early days, which is just off topic entirely, but early days is we take a documentary team with, like, some cops, and we film cops, we go, oh, look, this is what real life's like, but more tantalising because we've kept just the entertaining bits in. To... Yeah, so pick a group, follow them. Yeah, you literally film people fly in the wall style and try and get them to act naturally to let's ask people if they want to make a show where we sort of a publicity stunt uh, or challenges where we sort of watch people humiliate themselves for money or have a strop or whatever to now we just write fiction and have pretend real people do do that story and it's become full fiction now it's kind of weird and then you're still going what the fuck happened to music videos they're quite good don't they music videos <laughs> Three minutes of a song and some mad visuals. It's not. Yeah, that was all right. Yeah, I missed the music video. I know they're still out there, but like, no one cares anymore, do they? But it's all TikTok shit now, isn't it? It's do a TikTok thing. Hopefully, it goes viral and everyone does some version of like a parody or a dance version of your thing, and everyone just mimics and karaoke's it back at you. There's no real, like, the Spike Joneses out there really pushing boundaries with what you could do, is there? The odd no. one comes out, but music videos have gone the way of the radio star, you know? They're dead. Like, radio was killed by the video star, and the video star was killed by reality TV stars, and reality TV has been killed by uh, seven-second-long internet clips on your phone, essentially. <laughs> That's what it would be. And that's last dragon. That's last dragon. <laughs> she would be a TikTok star if they remade it now, right? She would be like a fucking TikTok celebrity influencer. No, oh, yeah, Well, you don't need a. Ma- I mean, and then this guy would be paying for his wife to go viral and wanting it desperately, but not being able to force it. They'd probably end up getting KSI and fucking Logan Paul in it as well to have a fight as well. That seems to be Vogue now as well. <laughs> Fuck. Anyway. It's so nice to look back at how shitty children's pop culture was pandered to back in the day. <laughs> I don't know, dude. This was a fucking weird film. But I, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of surprised it wasn't some crappy watch, though. It does feel like something you could have strolled in and uh, rented at some point. It was. It was certainly... It, it, wasn't, it wasn't what I was expecting. I'll, I'll say that. Uh, I, you know, because I was expecting, like I said before, the more kind of serious, or at least trying to take itself seriously, martial art eighties kind of thing, and it was it was kind of a, a bit of a parody of them. Yeah. Um, and there the were bits that I liked. I, I I did kind of like the the feel of it, but I can't I can't say mm. the the whole thing can sustain entertainment. All the way through. It, it, the nice thing is, it was deliberately trying to be funny. It wasn't ironically funny. It wrote jokes. They were a little bit. If they weren't crap, they was they were funny jokes executed by 
like dubious people. Like I thought, a lot of the characters had fun, and and that showed that it was a funny set and a funny experience, and quite over the top and mad. And it was nice to also include so many actual young people because sometimes these things they they're so self serious. Uh, and they have too many actual adults. And it was good to have a cast full of actual kids doing stunts and martial arts and dancing and shit. Yeah, that was mm. impressive. So it feels like, if I was fucking ten in the 80s, I would, might have enjoyed this. I wouldn't have questioned the stupidness of the plot. Uh, I might have just enjoyed it for just people fighting and stuff in the cinema and like bizarre music video fights and things, you know? I can see, yeah. I can see a young audience thinking it's kind of fun and groovy. And obviously, if we don't have that nostalgia, that's going to affect us watching it now. Let's see. I think if I would have watched this when I was young, I wasn't ready. I needed to come at this from a different place. <laughs> and I'm there now. I think, yes, I can appreciate this, what it is. Yeah, it's 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 your kind of bulk and skull Power Rangers villain type comedy, though, isn't it? It's sort of like low-grade kids comedy come martial arts. If I, I think, mm. Yeah, it's, like, it's Ninja Turtles, it's Power Rangers without a key concept that's any good. Like, those <laughs> things, like, Mutant fucking Ninja Turtles is cool. And uh, fucking, you know, helmeted, robot-riding dinosaur transforming fucking... I mean, Power Rangers is mental. <laughs> so that's got that going for it. This is crazy, but, you know, it's just a slightly odd gang and then a kid who's into Kung Fu. It's not got enough of a gimmick, right? Or enough of an idea behind it. Like, it's not good enough to just say, let's throw a bunch of music video crap at the screen. It's not It's not, It's not. not got that X factor, right? It's not got that something special or a gimmick that we can latch on to. It's just sort of loud, brash and silly. Mm. So I think that's the reason it didn't do so good. Is it? It's not like, oh, I want to be Leroy, Bruce Leroy. <laughs> you know, I want to be show enough. Show enough. I want <laughs> this fucking cool gang though. They all look kind of funny. <laughs> it was very. What I liked about it is all of the gangs, even the the good guys and the bad guys, were all like multicultural, <laughs> ragtag mix of different people. They didn't look like they naturally went together. Yet there they were. Plus, Abby, you love red and black, right? That's got to be a factor. I do. Why... <laughs> it's got very uh, Shinsuke Nakamura vibes. Sure. And I'm okay with it. Plenty of wrestling references now, eh? Yeah. So, Abby, you kind of liked it more than both of us, I think. Anthony seemed to like it the least, I think. I don't know. It's sort of grown on me as we talked about it. We're very silly. Like, yeah, yeah, this was fun. This was fun. This was fun. Like, it doesn't weave together very well. But it has enough enjoyable parts for you to be like, you know, it's all right. I think mine was kind of peppered by the fact that I fell asleep the first time I tried watching it. (laughs) You have to be in the mood for corny 80s crap and not... You have to be up for it and Mm. forgiving because it's terrible. But you'd have to have a fucking heart of stone to not appreciate that this is quite silly, really. And silliness gets comedy. Maybe some people find silliness tedious. But I think if you're in the mood for something goofy, then it'll tick a lot of boxes. And are, a lot of the actors do deliver the odd funny line. I can't complain. Oh, God. <laughs> it's been a long time since I physically cringed at a line in a film. But it did <laughs> happen. 
it did happen in this film. There was like one scene in the middle where um, Vanity says to Leroy, "It's like you look like a master to me." <laughs> <laughs> and there was it was so awkward, and there was like a weird pause, and it, it I physically cringed at how awkward that line was. She was really up for it as well. She was like, as soon as she was saved or met him the first time, she was hot to trot. And Leroy, he was slow to come round, you know. The worst thing is, I, I could totally see her dumping him after a while because the novelty's worn off. <laughs> yeah, that Stockholm Syndrome wears off. As soon as the second dragon comes along, she'll be gone. Once she gets to know him, she'll realise he's like a really goofy guy and they've got nothing in common. <laughs> Oh, you're just boringly dedicated to becoming a Kung Fu master, and you really like Bruce Lee more than anything. And I just, I'm, you know, I'm about music and other things. I need more going for my life. I can't, Leroy, your your lovely, you know, house husband who supports me with his money from his dojo, but there's no excitement. Ever since, you know, it was exciting when people were trying to beat you up for no reason, but now there's not any jeopardy in our lives. I'm sick of you. I want, I want thrills, Leroy. And then he would just be absolutely cucked and useless. And his, I imagine the little brother would probably cop off with her. He's basically saying yeah. he wants to bang her all the way through the film. So maybe that would be the sequel, is the brother sort of... Well, that he's Ten years enough. on, we yeah. should establish before you go any further. Well, six <laughs> years on, maybe, would be enough. Ah, I don't know. It shouldn't have been called The Last Ragnar. That title feels like it's been a different film. False advertising. Glow, Kung Fu Glow time. <laughs> I don't know. There's no. I mean, what could it be called? The Glowmaster. <laughs> yeah, I can see why they went with Last Dragon. <laughs> Glowmaster, Master of the Glow. Yeah, no. Anyway, well, that was the Last Dragon, regardless. Um. So thanks, Anthony. <laughs> Welcome. Um. Yeah. Well, we. I. I think you're gonna have to you're gonna have to go back to our metaphorical video shop of nostalgia. Have a look in the back, the dusty area you've forgotten you've lo- haven't looked in for a while. You'd be surprised. There's some there's some DV- there's some VHS tapes that have yet to have light shined on them. You know, we I don't think we've run out of shit from our past yet. I mean, we couldn't. There is a limit to how many films existed in the dusty video shelves of our past, but uh, I think there's more in there. Uh, it's not a bottomless pit, but I don't think you've scraped the bottom of the barrel just yet. Yeah, Letterbox has been invaluable to me for scraping the dregs of my memories. It's like, that thing, you wore a suit, that was entirely green. What is it? <laughs> and then I just spent about two hours trying to find out what it is. Yeah, plus, no, it's good to find new discoveries as well, so uh, anyway... Whatever anyone comes up with next time, please join us again. We'll be chatting about films with little to no consequence. Uh, please just click, give us a click and a listen. And you know, any feedback, you know, we're on Twitter uh, at spoilerfilmfilm, and uh, otherwise, just find us on our website, spoilerfilmfilm.com. Oh, you were doing so well. It's, it's on <laughs> WordPress. You must have found it if you listen to us somewhere. It's on all podcast things if you type the right combination of spoiler filled and film in. <laughs> You've done well to get this far. You are now the new master. <laughs> Take your glow and go. 
Anyway, that's my way of wrapping up. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye.